0: Today, we look at a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus goes to the home of a Pharisee and uh, they have a meal. Now, you have to imagine In those days it was not uncommon for passerbys to stop in and to see what's going on, uh, to leave the door open, maybe perhaps even to share some of the meal with passerbys. And the passerby in this passage is a a woman that has a reputation, not a positive one, but one of immorality. And you have a scene here where you have the Holy One, God Himself with us, Jesus, the epitome of righteousness and wisdom and grace and truth. And then you have this host who is Pharisee, uh, a very moral man, uh, a tither. He attends a synagogue faithfully. He leads in Bible study. Uh, externally, he has all the knowledge of God that any good Baptist would have. Okay, and uh, he is in tune with theology. He is up to date on uh, religious studies, philosophy, etc. And uh, he's also doing very well uh, financially. He's doing very well. You don't host people in your home if you're not doing very well financially. So, in a lot of ways, he's like a good uh, good Baptist there. And then you have. Juxtaposed to him is this immoral woman who stops in, and uh, she recognizes Jesus, and she begins to uh, weep, she washes his feet with her tears and does other things to him, and Jesus uses this situation to teach, and he's going to teach us about the grace of God. And what can we learn? What more can we learn about the grace of God? Well, we can learn a lot, because there's a lot of grace to learn about and experience um, in our relationship with the Lord. So we want to start with verse 36, and I'll just read through this text, having given you a little of that background. So here we have the story of Jesus and the Pharisee and the woman who comes in to tend to Jesus. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we do thank you for this day to to hear your word. A day to focus upon what thus saith the Lord. To hear from Jesus himself about the awesome grace of God for all of us. Help us to hear a fresh word from the Lord. Help us to hear an ancient word that needs to be said again. And may our hearts be willing to repent and change and make those adjustments in our life that we might appreciate and acknowledge and live in this beautiful grace of Almighty God. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him, that is Jesus, to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, they wouldn't have tables like we have. They're reclining on the floor, kind of like this, you know, when they're uh, relaxing and, and enjoying a meal. So he was, uh, uh, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And verse 37 says, and behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, that word sinner means immoral. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Now this vial of perfume may be valued at a lifetime of wages. These were heirlooms sometimes handed down uh, from ancestors and kept as a thing of prize and value. So she takes this alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind Jesus at His feet, she begins to weep. She began to wet His feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing His feet and anointing His feet with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Him saw this, He says to Himself, doesn't say it aloud, He says it to Himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, the background for this is a true religious Pharisee does not mix, nor does he allow an unclean person to touch him, lest he has to go back to the synagogue or if at Jerusalem, the temple, and go through a number of washings in order to cleanse himself from having been touched by an unclean person. Now, that gives you an idea of the sociological divide here between the woman and the Pharisee. He would not even get close to her. And here Jesus is, if he were a prophet, this Pharisee is saying to himself, he would know who this woman is that's touching him, and he would not sit there and allow himself to be defiled by this immoral woman. If a Pharisee were standing here in the pulpit today preaching, half of you would get up and walk out. The self-righteousness and the arrogance is more than you can possibly stand. And that's the context that we have these two images juxtapose anointing Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, even though he didn't say this out loud, Jesus is a real prophet because he knows what the Pharisee is thinking. Just like the Holy Spirit knows what you're thinking right now. And he said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. And Jesus gives a parable. He says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, that'd be five hundred days' wages, and the other owed fifty. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, "You You have certainly judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. Now remember, Jesus is teaching. He's looking at the woman, but he's really talking to Simon over here. Your mother ever do you that way? Now son, I'm going to tell you, she's not looking at you. She's looking out the window. When your daddy gets here, he's going to have, you know. (laughs) Jesus is bringing home the point here. Do you see this woman, he says? I entered your house For she has loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to the woman, Your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today I want to talk about loving Jesus more in public view. Loving Jesus more in public view. I told you all the other day I don't preach old sermons. I've never preached on this passage either. But the Lord brought it to my attention this week and I've learned so much and I hope that I can share some of those insights with you. Loving Jesus more, which is what she did, but in public view. And the theme of our message goes like this, our love for Jesus will be demonstrated in obvious ways. If we really love Jesus, it's going to show, it's going to be public, and it's going to be in obvious ways. One of the ways that we will demonstrate our love for Jesus is that we will have an appreciation for the magnitude of God's grace. To be forgiven by God is to receive the grace of God. That word in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word k'in. Now when you say that, you might want to say it, but don't say it to your neighbor because there's a little guttural spit comes out when you use that Hebrew k'in. Um, k'in in the Old Testament Hebrew means favor. Something that is offered or given to you even though you don't deserve it. Uh, we see in the Bible that God is a God of Cain. God is compassionate, the Bible says in Exodus. He is Cain. He is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's overflowing with a loyal love and a faithfulness to us. We see it uh, in several instances in the Old Testament. We see it in the life of Esther. You remember when Esther went to the king? And she said, if the king has found Cain in me, if the king has found favor with the queen, would you spare the lives of the Hebrew people? And because he had keen or favor with uh, Esther, uh, he protected the Hebrew people. We see it when Jacob, uh, after 20 years of tricking Esau, his older brother, uh, they met up on the plain and Jacob uh, prayed to his brother Esau that he would be keen with him, that he would be gracious with him. He said, May I find keen in your eyes. Even though he had tricked him, he wanted to find favor in his brother's eyes. In the book of Psalms, over 40 times, the people of God pray for God's graciousness, God's grace upon their lives, and people cry out to God when they are sick in the, in the Psalms, uh, when they are in danger in the Psalms, when they are isolated. Uh, in the Psalms. Uh, Somebody said, uh, all of the Bible speaks to us, now hear this. Write this down if you had not written it down. All of the Bible speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. They say it for for us. And, And there are times when we feel isolated from each other, like during the COVID crisis. The mental challenge of the COVID crisis is huge and it's real. And, and we cry out to God, God, look upon us with favor, God, give us a vaccine, God, deliver us from, the, from this awful pandemic that we are living in. Or when we are ill, we call out to God, God, change my circumstances, heal me from this disease or this illness that I'm having. We often call out to God when we are in danger. Our life is threatened or or something may be going on that's threatening us and we want to escape. And we call out to God like the psalmist and we say, Lord, look upon me with favor. Give me a pass this time. Get me out of this trouble I'm in. We're asking for God's kin, His grace, and His favor. Isaiah said that a time will come, a day will come, that God would someday show grace to His people by delivering them, as well as His creation, from death and from ruin." That is the grace of God in the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, in the Gospel of John, John says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was very God among us, full of charis, instead of chin in the Old Testament, it's karis. It's where we get the word grace. Uh, In fact, it's where we get the word charismatic, Uh, charis in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus was full of God's grace and God's truth. The Bible says that the grace of God for you and for me is as vast as the ocean, vast as the ocean. I don't know if you've ever tried to swim in the ocean or not, but I, I have, and I've swaddled a lot of salt water. And I'm telling you, it's, it's hard to get, to, get, to get rid of that salt water. And I cannot imagine a whole ocean being like the grace of God instead of being salt water, being fresh water. And me being thirsty and God saying, I've got all the water you want. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you can drink from this well and it's more than you can, can uh, exhaust. God's grace for you and me is more than we can exhaust. Do we... Appreciate the magnitude of God's grace. Apostle Paul said that God sent me to preach this unfathomable, you can't measure it, this amount of the grace of God. That's what he was called to preach. So as we, if we look at this story here today in Luke chapter 7, we have to ask ourselves, are we like the Pharisee or are we like the immoral woman? Which are we? Which of these two acknowledged the magnitude of the grace of God that was reclining at the table? Was it the Pharisee? I hardly think so. Was it the immoral woman? You betcha. Because she did some things that demonstrated her love for Jesus and her appreciation for what Jesus had done for her. Perhaps there was a time before Jesus went to the home of Simon for this meal that he encountered this woman. Perhaps she was uh, caught in the sin of her lifestyle. And having done so, she was embarrassed. She was ashamed. Uh, She lived in a trapped life. let Let me share this with you. Women do not choose to be as a career in human trafficking. Are you listening to me? Women do not choose as a career to be in human trafficking. And this woman was caught in human trafficking. And the shame and the embarrassment of having been caught in that was the world that she lived in. Now you know why people turn to drugs. Now you know why people turn to other numbing measures. Now you know why so many people commit suicide. Because they see no way out. And she had some kind of encounter with Jesus that she experienced dignity. That she experienced respect. That she experienced the love of God. And Jesus was the one who could offer to her a clean slate in life and an opportunity to start over again. Here's what we can learn as we appreciate the magnitude of the grace of God. Now hear this clearly. As we think about the Pharisee and the immoral woman in this story, the greater the awareness of our sin the greater our appreciation of God's grace. The greater the awareness of our sin, the greater our appreciation of God's grace. I really think we have lost the lostness of being lost. We have forgotten what it was like to be without Jesus. We have more in common with the Pharisee who loved little because he saw himself as not needing very much grace than we do the immoral woman who loved Jesus so much she just could not stop appreciating Him and magnifying Him and honoring Him and glorifying Him the greater the awareness of our sin. I think we can get pretty callous about ourselves and, our, and caught in our own traps of self-righteousness because we, like many Pharisees would say and pray in the temple, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, those other sinners out there. When we, if we were truly honest with the Holy Spirit of God, we would open the Scripture and we would cry and beg and pray that the grace of God be sufficient for every need in our life. Because His grace is sufficient. We would call out every day and say, Lord, be with me today in a special way. I am not able to live to the standards that you call me to live. I'm not able to go through what I'm going through right now, alone and by myself. God, I need Your favor. I need Your charis. I need Your grace. I believe we would be calling out to the Lord more often than that. So if we're going to love Jesus more in a public view, we are going to have a greater appreciation for the enormity and the magnitude of God's grace. And the more we understand how much we've been forgiven, the more we're going to love Jesus. So number two, how do we demonstrate that love? Well, I find the immoral woman in this passage demonstrates it by doing three things. He says, you see this woman? He says, I entered your house and you gave me no water, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but... She, since the time that I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. This woman has a generosity about her that is um, scandalous. I mean, she was already a scandal. But who would dare take a life savings and just break that alabaster vial open and pour it out and anoint it upon Jesus Christ when she could have sold it for a lot of money and done something else with her life? What she valued most in this world was her relationship to Jesus Christ more than any Thing that she owned or had in her personal possession. That sense of generosity is like God. The more generous we are, the more we are like God Himself. And she doesn't do one little thing for Jesus. She continues to serve Him and honor Him and serve Him and honor Him and serve Him and honor Him. Be honest with me. How many of you woke up this morning and said, I guess I ought to go to church today. How many of you woke up and said, I get to go to church today. How many of you on Sunday say, well, I should, I guess. The rain's not too bad, the snow's not too bad. If this or that's just right. The ball game doesn't come on till 6.30. Maybe I can work in an hour at church. This woman, in her generosity, would not let anything stop her from serving the Lord and honoring Him and giving to Him. Because she understood the deliverance of God's grace, like Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For He delivered us, Paul says, from the domain of darkness. Remember I talked about the, the trap that this woman was in? You and I are trapped also. If we commit one sin, we are trapped in it, and death is our only destiny. But because of the grace of God, we have been delivered. The trap door has been opened. We have been rescued. We have been uh, redeemed and set free by the grace of Almighty God. Because where, Watch this. Because where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. There's nothing that can stop the powerful, redeeming grace of God. And Paul would say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Which leads me to the third and final point. What became of this woman? I wonder what became of her. I'm happy today to talk about this freedom that she had to walk now and serve the Lord in public view with her head held high. Not in shame or embarrassment, but a different path, a path of service and love, and virtuous living. Yes, virtuous living. The Bible talks a lot about, in the Apostle Paul's teaching, about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And he says this, really, we are free to live even higher standard than the Ten Commandments that God gave to us through Moses. We are free. There's no law. There's no limit. To the law of the love of God. We don't have to live by rules and regulations and make sure that we meet the minimum standard. We live in a freedom to love as God has loved us, and we live in this freedom of virtues and values. This is the change that took place in this woman. She didn't leave this um, dinner experience and go out to her old lifestyle. She went on, as Jesus said, in peace. Go in peace, he told her. To have shalom or to have peace is to have your act together. It's to have a completeness in your life. It's to have a a balance of, uh, of, of health, a balance of spirituality, a balance in your relationships with other people. It is to live a life of virtue and values. And if we need the grace of God in our society today and to change our society for the good, we need the grace of God. And it will not come through laws. It will not come through budgets. It will not come through politics. It will only come through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that restores God's standards of virtues and values that we live in the freedom that He intended for us to live in by His grace. Let me share with you ten virtues and values that you can walk in publicly as you follow Jesus as your Savior and and your Lord. We might call these habits of the heart. Now, there's a bunch of guys going to be clashing it out on the gridiron tonight, and they're all after the same thing, a ring. (laughs) And that ring signifies that they are the best team in the football league. Every one of those guys has developed a habit of the heart. And those habits are habits that they've been... Doing for since they were kids, and that's to develop and train their body and their muscles, their mind, their focus, their their attitude, their concentration to the game of football. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus, and you're going to enjoy the life that God's called you to, He has some habits, uh, He has some habits of the heart that you and I need. To have, I'm going to give you ten real quick. It won't take all day. Let's be real quick. Ten winning habits of the heart as you walk now, freed of your past, open to a bright future that God has for you in the grace of God. One of those is called wisdom. Wisdom has to do with clearing our minds so that the distraction, uh, I'm sorry, the distinction is made. Between good, bad, right, wrong, light, darkness, aspirations, appetite, discernment, desire, timeless values, are transient whims. Wisdom perceives the true and moves forward. Wisdom understands truth when it hears it. Wisdom moves forward in truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And a person who is wise will implement all the teachings of Jesus because when we do that, we live a successful life. Jesus said, as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. He says, as long as you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Are you seeking wisdom or are you seeking self-understanding? One comes from God. That's wisdom from above, the Bible calls it. Self-understanding and rationale comes from below. That's wisdom of the world. There are two wisdoms mentioned in the Bible. One from above, one from below. Which are you seeking? If you are living by a winning habit in this Christian walk after Jesus, following Jesus publicly, you will seek the wisdom of God. In fact, the Bible says God created the world by His wisdom. Number two, courage. God will give you the grace to be courageous, the strength to do the right thing. It has to do with when we clear our mind so that when the distinction is made between good and bad, the good is chosen. We seek the good and the bad is rejected. Courage. Courage in the face of temptation. Courage in the face of peer pressure. Courage in the face of being a minority in this world. Church, we are always going to be a minority. We will never win the culture wars. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It takes courage to make disciples. Wisdom, courage. Justice is another Mentioned all throughout the Bible. And it has to do with clearing of the mind so that everyone is rendered his or her due. And so that obligations assumed are obligations fully discharged. Justice. Temperance is another one. It has to do with living in orderliness. Living in moderation and self-control. And to have the Holy Spirit controlling our life so that we're not living for me, but we're living under the courage of the Holy Spirit. Temperance. Shalom is the peace that Jesus blessed this woman with. And it means to having complete and right relationships. A right relationship with God and you'll have a right relationship with other people and peace will reign in your walk as you follow Jesus. Another one to seek is righteousness, a great winning habit of the heart. To do what is right, to do the right way I've defined righteousness before, and I'll share it again. Righteousness means God's always in the right. God is always doing the right, and God is always seeing to it that the right gets done. Now, what is right and what is wrong? What is right is what is in God's Word. Righteousness. God will lead you through His grace to live righteously. Another is faith. It is the commitment to go with God. Wherever God leads, you say, I will go, I will follow, I will serve. Another is hope. Hope is the importance of of believing that things yet to come will come as God's sovereignty works out in our favor. And God's sovereignty always works out in the favor of God's people. Another is love. Uh, To love is to seek the good of other people. And as that guides you in your life as you follow Jesus Christ, you will find that you are a blessing to other people. The tenth one I would mention is patience. Patience is a virtue. Careful that you... When you pray for patience, you'll have many trials to strengthen your patience, but patience is practicing the presence of God no matter what I'm going through. God is with me. I can deal with this because His grace is sufficient for my need. Wisdom, courage, justice, temperance, peace. Righteousness, faith, hope, love, and patience. All are winning habits of the heart. And as we are delivered from our sin by the grace of, of God, we continue to walk in God's grace in these habits. And every day, we recommit ourselves to magnify the grace of God in our life and live generously Serve generously, give generously, because in that way we are more like God. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for this Word from Scripture that really examines the core of our relationship with You Help us, Lord, to understand that your grace is available all the time. We only need to bow and repent and receive. Lord, you're willing to give if we will ask. I pray that someone here today, some young person, some adult, will come forward today saying, I give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to be his disciple. I want to be baptized. I want to be forgiven of my sin and I want heaven to be my home. I pray they'll come as we sing this song and giving their life to the Lord. Maybe another person would like to unite with our church from a sister church. We ask, Lord, that they will make that decision today. For all of us who will not make those two decisions, help us to improve and change one thing in our life that will make us more appreciative of your grace not to take your grace in vain but to appreciate your grace and glorify you with our life and our walk in Jesus name we pray amen you've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ first admit that you are a sinner Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.